Today on Blue 58, your Green Bay Packers are 5-1 and one and on top of the NFC North, and a win over the Detroit Lions is a big reason why. How did it happen and why? Let's dive in and find out. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here late night again after another Packers win moving them, like we said, to 5-1 and one on the season. Before we get too far, I want to take a second to remind you that this podcast is sponsored in part by Ticket King. The next time the Packers do battle, which happens to be next Sunday, see them in person with tickets you purchase through Ticket King. Find them on their great website, theticketking.com, or by clicking the tickets link at thepowersweep.com. Go and see the Packers in person. It'll be fun, and I think next weekend's game is going to be a fun one. So we've got a comeback here for the Packers, down nine in the fourth quarter, coming back to win. The Aaron Rodgers comeback narrative takes another hit, but it's always been bogus. You know that. I know that. And we just get more evidence of that today. We've talked in a couple different games about the Packers giving out their best shot only to see other teams rally back and make things interesting down the stretch. The shoe was on the other foot in this one. The Packers absorbed the Lions' best punch early on, hung around, then came back and won the whole thing. How did that happen? Here's three reasons why, and then one bonus reason as well. So we'll make it four reasons. First and foremost, I think we got to talk about the play of Alan Lazard. I am of the opinion that the Packers receiving core could be better. That's not a knock against the guys that they have. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, and everybody else is fine in their own way. But I think it could be better as a group. And there was legitimate reason to worry coming into this one, that it wasn't going to be enough. And for a lot of the game, it looked like that was going to be the case. But then, down the stretch, here comes Alan Lazard, the all-time leading receiver at Iowa State. He catches four balls for 65 yards and a touchdown. All five of his targets came in a 10-play stretch over the Packers' last two drives. And those five targets produced a touchdown and two first downs as well as some great entertaining moments as you got to watch the giant Alan Lazard face off with the much smaller Detroit Lions defensive backs. This was not a great night for the Packers receiving group overall. Big plays were there, consistency down to down, not not so much. But Alan Lazard was there when the Packers needed him. And to hear Aaron Rodgers talk after the game, this was not a big surprise. More just a situation they've been waiting to develop. Uh, as Lazard has been studious in practice and in meetings and just waiting for his chance, and now he's got his chance, and it looks like he's going to take it and run with it. We also need to talk about the Packers' third-down defense, especially, again, down the stretch against the Lions. The Lions were great early. They, They sprinted out to that lead, but from their fourth drive on, the Packers' defense held them to just two of nine on potential third down conversions and it wasn't like Detroit was just screwing things up and really shooting themselves in the foot and that's why they didn't convert all those third down plays the Packers were going out and forcing them into I want to say missed conversions that doesn't seem like the right way to put it put it forcing them off the field by not allowing them to uh, convert those third down plays here are those decisive plays here's how those 
seven third downs that were not converted ended up. You had a sack, another sack, Kevin King breaking up a pass, a complete pass short of the six, another sack, a dropped pass, and Jair Alexander breaking up a pass. So at least five of those plays. You've got the Packers making plays that prevent the Lions from converting. It's not just the Lions screwing up. That's noteworthy. The third down defense, uh, I think as much as anything, is what allowed the Packers to stay in this game down the stretch. Because if you start converting those third downs, you're really getting into a situation where you can run clock and make it really difficult for the Packers to rally late. The Packers, as it turns out, had plenty of time and were able to complete the, cu- the touchdown, the comeback, with at least one touchdown, the one to Alan Lazard, and also also the, the field goal there right at the end. Finally, we should talk about the last drive. Uh, nothing super special. There's not really one like giant, amazing, explosive play here or something really spectacular that happened. It was just methodical. It chewed clock, and it ended with the Packers kicking a field goal and Detroit not touching the ball again. This drive started with 6 minutes and 46 seconds on the clock. The Packers were 83 yards away from the end zone. But thanks to big catches from Alan Lazard, a great catch from Jimmy Graham holding on despite getting blasted right in the chest, and a really smart play at the end there by Jamal Williams, not running into the end zone when Detroit gives him uh, the yellow brick road, essentially, whatever you... whatever. Metaphor you want to choose for that. Just lays down for him, says, run it into the end zone, please. He says, nope, we're going to just kneel it here down at the two-yard line or wherever he came to a rest there, and uh, we're going to run out the clock. And Mason Crosby is going to kick a field goal and attempt a very awkward Lambeau leap, but good for him and good for the Packers coming out on top. Now, the bonus reason I wanted to talk about here that the Packers win tonight, last night actually by the time we're recording this, was the refs. And yeah, there were some dubious calls out there. You had a pass interference no call on Will Redmond. You had a couple um, illegal hands to the face penalties by Trey Flowers that I think were called extremely close to the letter of the law. But I can see why you might want to complain if you're a Detroit Lions fan. And yet, if you're going to complain that the refs, as a Lions fan, gave this game to the the Packers, well, I'm sorry that multiple goal-to-go situations, a gift-wrapped touchdown from Darius Shepard off the muff punt, a gift-wrapped interception from Darius Shepard on a play that could have been a touchdown, all of that, I'm sorry that it just wasn't enough to win for you, that you had to get all of this decided by the refs. Now, that is a little bit of a harsh assessment from Lions fans' perspective. And I'm sure it doesn't mean a whole lot coming from me, a Green Bay Packers podcaster. But they may also have a point. But this is the world that the NFL wanted. When they said that pass interference calls are going to be reviewable, that opened the door to people asking for absolutely everything to be reviewed. And you heard Booger McFarland asking for that as well. We should have these illegal hands to the face penalties be reviewed. We should be able to look at this, that, and the other thing. 
I don't think that's the right way to go about things, but the NFL, at least in one narrow instance, thought maybe this is a good idea. They're not overturning many pass interference calls. Really at all, they're not doing it. But the opportunity is there. And the NFL has made it so everybody wants to talk about each and every one of these plays. If you watch SportsCenter for just a couple minutes after the, the Packers win, that was what they talked about to lead off their conversation about the game. What's the deal with these calls? It's annoying to hear about as a fan of the team that won, but this is the, the situation we had uh, against the Eagles when there were a couple no calls on pass interference. This is what we had against the, the Vikings when the Packers benefited from a couple dubious calls. This is the NFL, or this is what the NFL wanted, and they are getting a full dose of it. Sure, there were other opportunities for the Lions, but they had a couple opportunities taken away. I would argue that if you want to take away the Trey Flowers penalties, we should also take off Darius Shepard's muff punt and Darius Shepard's interception that he caused and then see how the game plays out from there. I'd kind of think the Packers would win in that situation, but you don't know. And these refing issues are putting those things into question, and that's a real bummer. What does this mean for the Packers? Well, 5-1 and one is a pretty good place to be, so that's uh, that's one big feather in their cap, but they're also 3-0 and oh and in first place in the NFC North. Both great places to be. I think if the playoffs started today, which of course they don't, but it's an interesting ideological exercise, the Packers would be the number three seed, which means they would be hosting a game in the wildcard round, and it looks like it would be... Uh, either the Rams or the Seahawks, depending on how a couple things sort out. Something worth thinking about as we start looking ahead at least a little bit to the playoffs. We've got to start doing that a little bit because uh, don't look now, but we're down after next week to single games remaining or single digit games remaining for the Packers this year. Football season goes by very quickly. Take a second and appreciate it. What is up next? Well, the, the Raiders come to Lambeau Field next Sunday. It is that classic noon kickoff going to be great. Love a noon kickoff. Uh, I've had that conversation more and more with people over the last couple of years. I'm, I'm finding I'm in a minority with loving the noon kickoff. It just makes me feel like uh, watching the Packers growing up. It seemed like they always played at noon growing up. And uh, just coming home from church, throwing a Jack self-rising crust pizza in the oven, and watching that noon kickoff, that that is that's football to me. So I always love the noon kickoffs, but I understand why people don't like them either. Um, so I like it. I understand if you don't. Raiders coming in at three and two. They have a bye. They had a bye this past week after playing in London the week prior. That probably makes the bye week a, a bit of a wash. Uh, but it is interesting that the Packers played teams coming off buys two weeks in a row. And a reminder, if you want to head out and check out that game in person, get your tickets through Ticket King. Check out theticketking.com or click the tickets link at thepowersweep.com. A couple more observations, then we'll let you get off to bed or let me get off to bed um, as we celebrate this Packers win. Circling back to the Packers benefiting from a couple of those hands-to-the-face calls, I think even without getting into were they good calls or not, we can fairly admit that they were borderline. So how does a borderline call like that end up getting called? 
I'd bet you a dollar that Matt LaFleur or somebody within the Packers organization brought it to the attention of Matt LaFleur that Trey Flowers likes to get his hands high on the pass rush. And subsequently, Matt LaFleur brought that to the attention of the refs, and wouldn't you know it, they call it in two pretty crucial situations. That is a veteran, veteran move for this coaching staff, and LaFleur or whoever should get a lot of credit there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to get a lot of headlines from tonight's games. That's fair. He played really well. Would have played even better if Toronto Allison hadn't dropped nearly everything thrown his way. And he hadn't had uh, an interception go off a receiver's face mask. But I digress. Uh, But lost in that maybe a little bit is Jamal Williams having a very excellent night as well. 14 carries, 104 yards for him on the ground. Four catches, 32 yards, and a touchdown through the air. Uh, even if you take away his 45-yard run, he still averaged four and a half yards per carry on his other 13 rushes. That's a pretty solid outing from one Jamal Williams. Aaron Jones, meanwhile, not super great. Had the fumble, but I think even worse than that was his drop on the, the, the deep shot from Aaron Rodgers. That was a gimme touchdown. Couldn't have been much better if Aaron Rodgers had walked over and handed it to him himself. That's fine, though. Those games are bound to happen and with the Packers winning, it feels a lot better. I'm sure it would have felt a lot worse had the Packers not come out on top, but but they did. So no harm, no foul. Um, speaking of not great games, I don't know what you do with Darius Shepard. I've probably seen enough. If it was me, if it was me, I'd probably move along and try to find another use for that roster spot. Uh, let's not forget that Darius Shepard also fumbled on a kick return in the Packers' final preseason game of this year against the Kansas City Chiefs. So ball security is not necessarily his forte. This would be then two significant turnovers, three if you count the interception in his last seven football games. That's not super great if you're on the lower end of the roster where he is. Uh, Finally, we got to talk once more about Aaron Rodgers and his comeback. So the comeback stuff has always been overblown with Aaron Rodgers. He has lost more comebacks due to his defense giving up late scores than probably anybody ever in the history of the NFL. Don't quote me on that. That is a little bit of hyperbole, but he has lost a lot of them. But he's also had a lot more comebacks of late. Um, Since week 14 of the 2012 season, according to ESPN, when the Packers are trailing by 13 or more points at home in that span, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are 5-4, and four, just over 500 winning percentage. The rest of the NFL is 43-417-3, a winning percentage of .096. Not great. Aaron Rodgers is a better than a coin flip at bringing you back for a victory when you're trailing by 13 points or more at home. The rest of the NFL is uh, less less than 10%. Not great. Aaron Rodgers, still pretty good. So I've got for you on this episode. We will be back with another episode, a short one, I think, on Wednesday, day after tomorrow, day after today, I guess, as this is coming out. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of the AFL, since the Packers have a run of three former AFL teams coming up here over the next uh, three weeks I think that'll be interesting because there's a lot of the modern NFL that carries over from the American Football League. But in the meantime, check us out on Facebook and on Twitter. If you like what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes or the iPod or uh, Apple Podcast app. Um, 
or wherever you listen, because that is going to help more people find the show. If you all liked what you heard and want to support us financially, you can buy one of our t-shirts or sweatshirts from Teespring, or leave us a dollar per month at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. We do appreciate whatever form of support you choose. As always, you can also reach out to us, leave us a Facebook message, a comment on Twitter, whatever, that helps us um, respond to you and in turn helps us further our mission of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I've been your host, John Meerdink. Enjoyed celebrating another Packers win with you. We will see you next time on Blue 58.